Welcome to the Kate Languages podcast. I'm your host, Kate Clifton. I'm a former MFL teacher who left the classroom in 2017 to set off on my own adventure. Since then, I've developed my passion for helping teachers through creating time-saving teaching resources, delivering language lessons and CPD to languages teachers, and of course, through this podcast. I've had some wonderful feedback from teachers about how my work is helping them with their everyday teaching, and I love connecting with teachers from all over the world. To get in touch, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Kate Languages on both, or you can email me through my website, katelanguages.co.uk. But for now, grab a cuppa, although maybe not if you're listening in the car. Sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Kate Languages podcast. How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Kate Languages podcast. I am so excited to be doing my second ever live podcast recording. And today I'll be chatting to Jen and Claire. And we're going to be talking about life as a parent and teacher. So the good, the bad, maybe the ugly, I don't know, hopefully not too ugly. But yeah, the realities of what it's like to teach and be a parent as well at the same time. So first of all, if you guys could introduce yourselves, that'd be fantastic. So Jen, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and introduce yourself? Let everybody know who you are, please. Hi, sure. Yeah, my name's uh, Jen O'Reilly-Turner. I am based in Suffolk in East Anglia and I currently teach in a sixth form college and I'm solely responsible for teaching French and German, which is nice. And I've also done various other things, like I've been a GCSE speaking examiner and also an A-level French speaking examiner. And this year, I've been very excited to be part of the Goethe Institute Gimagine project as a German expert expert mentor as well. So that's uh, that's a really, really exciting project. It's kind of tied in with the National Consortium for Language Education, which is supposed to be boosting languages nationally, which is fab as well. Very exciting. And I'm also, I kind of do a lot of stuff behind the scenes on the secondary MFL uh, Facebook group and various other language sort of networks like that. And I've got three children of my own. I have 16-year-old twins who we've just managed to get through GCSEs. And they've started at the same sixth form college as me recently. So that's been interesting. And um, we also have a a seven-year-old son too. And uh, my husband also has a a 22-year-old daughter from his first marriage. So we've got the whole spectrum of age and everything that goes with that. So kind of come out the other end with a couple of them, but still in the thick of it with the youngest one. So uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Twins. That's just amazing. I always just have so much respect for people who have twins. I don't know how you ma- how you manage it, but well, we're going to hear all about that in a bit. Um, Claire, what about you? Yes. Hello, I'm Claire. I'm a secondary languages teacher in the East Midlands. I've been teaching for about 15 or 16 years. Depends if I count my PGCE year. I teach, I'm a Germanist, huge Germanist at heart, but I do, I do teach Spanish and French as well. I have been, I've been a subject leader for 12 years and I've just recently this week started a new role as teacher development lead in my school. So that's working with SKIT students, ECT, coordinating CPD, lots of very new stuff that's very exciting, but it's uh, taken a bit of getting my head around. I also, I've done some consulting over the last few years. I've worked for BBC Bite Size. I've written the Key Stage 3 German Bite Size content online. I've worked for a few different language apps and done a bit of editing here and there and proofreading and things like that. And you can find me at Leo Languages on not Twitter anymore, is it X and threads and mainly Instagram, join Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. Oh, and children. Yeah, I do have children. (laughs) I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, but they're both now at school. So for the first time, because I am part-time, I probably should have said that um, I'm part-time, so I do get a little bit of time to myself back in the week because I've had little Peter Pill at home for the last seven years. That'll be me next year, but yeah. <laughs> um, Jenny, are you full-time or part-time? I'm pretty much full-time. Okay, brilliant. It feels like a full-time anyway. I just, like, yeah, and, and then still just doing all these other, other things as well on top of it all, which I just, yeah, again, massive Massive respect. One one could say that um, it's an opportunity to escape family life a little bit. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely couldn't. 
I couldn't not work. Yeah. Just to go and teach other people's children for the other days. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so what does a typical day look like for you? Claire, for example, what did you do this morning? Well, today wasn't really a typical day. I I was at work today. It was a working day, but it all depends on whether my husband's at home. So my husband works away, but it's very ad hoc. We don't have any kind of set routine. So he He's a, a training manager, so he works wherever he's needed, basically, whenever there's training needed. So he can be at home. And if he's at home, like today, then my life is actually quite easy because he does it all for me. Um, he can work from home, so it means he can sort the children out and I just have to think about sorting me and going to work. So today has been a good day in terms of the whole kind of you know work-life balance. When he's not here, it's very different. And I think that's what I find quite difficult. I can't really get into much of a routine. I think if he was always away, I would find a better routine, but I haven't got one that works at the moment. But generally, I'm very lucky that my school isn't too far away. It's only about a 20, 25 minute drive. Um, I have grandparents are our childcare and they live very, very close by. So half six, get up, quickly get us all ready, dressed, If I've been organised enough, we've got all our bags and everything and uniform laid out from the night before, which is my new academic year's resolution to make sure that I'm really organised with that because I'm not always shoveling breakfast down as quick as we can. And then one of the grandparents will turn up about half past seven and either sit with them until, you know, they need to go to school or take them back to their house. And then I head to work, similar sort of time, just after half seven and get into work, hopefully for eight o'clock. That's a good day. I I would like to say it always works that way. In my head, that's how it would always work. In reality, it's it's me like staying off at like 10 to 8 and I've got like 15 minutes together. So that is amazing though. The kids' grandparents can be there first thing in the morning because yeah like that that's one of the things I think about being a teacher as well is that you have to be at work so early that even you know dropping your kids off at eight o'clock you might still not get to work on time so that's the difficulty because I know all schools are different but the the outside out of school hours provision that our primary school has doesn't start until eight o'clock in the morning so it isn't something that I can take advantage of unfortunately because that is something that I would like to do but because it starts at eight o'clock it just doesn't work for me anyway so I am lucky in that respect obviously no disrespect to their grandparents, but they're not getting any younger, you know, sort of husband's parents are in their 70s. It's, it's I think it's a lot to ask mm. for sometimes in a morning, turning up at half past seven. It's slightly better now, but it's it's obviously now that they're at school, it's relieved the days a bit. But yeah, it's it, I feel I have that guilt. I think it's that parent guilt, isn't it? That other people are having to, you know, run around after after me and my children. I know they love to do it, but you still have that that guilt, I think. Yeah, I was just thinking my parents aren't up at half seven in the morning. <laughs> There's no way they'd be. I mean, I, I wouldn't be if I had the choice. <laughs> wow, no, that's true. That's true. My mum picks George up sometimes from nursery, which is now preschool, as he keeps telling me off when I call it nursery. He's like, it's preschool now. So yeah, she <laughs> she picks him up sometimes, which is really, really good. But no, I can't. I, I, don't, I don't think I'd be able to ask anybody to take him in the morning. How about you, Jen? Is it a similar kind of morning rush for you or how does it go? Well, there's no such thing as a standard day, is there, in teaching or at home? So in an ideal world, in an ideal world, I get up by six o'clock so that I can have about 20 minutes to myself and just, you know, sort of try and work out what on earth I'm doing today or write a to-do list or try and find, you know, my laptop charger that I need for the day or, you know, have a cup of coffee just in the peace and quiet of the house. And then the youngest wakes up at about half six, you know, come rain, rain or fall or shine or whether it's term time or not. And then from the minute he's up, it's just it's just ninjas and Lego and Minecraft <laughs> kind of constantly like conversation wise and everything. And you have to sort of juggle those conversations for a couple of hours whilst trying to juggle everybody getting dressed and everything. And then we've got the interesting the, the interesting running the gauntlet of getting the teenagers out of bed as well. That's fun. That's really fun. Honestly, it really is. Fortunately, the teenagers don't have to wear uniform anymore. So we don't have to worry about, you know, where's my PE kit and everything. So that's one less thing to worry about. But certainly, you know, getting all your PE kits and your your uniforms and everything in in some vaguely kind of hygienic state the night before was, uh, was was always a tricky one. 
And yeah, trying to get everybody fed and trying to remember to eat yourself as well because, you know, so busy, you know, chasing after a child, talking about Minecraft, trying to get toast down his neck that you sometimes forget to eat yourself. Sorry to put everybody off here. But, you know. <laughs> and um, and then we've got various pets that need feeding as well. And of course, if they don't get fed at the Pacific time, then, it, you know, all hell breaks loose. And um We've um, so we've got, we've got a dog and we've got a cat and we've got some chickens as well and oh um, an extra added element of fun to all of this <laughs> that we discovered over the holidays is that one of the chickens likes to just wait outside the back door first thing in the morning and so when you when you open the door to let the dog and the cat out you know this chicken comes racing in so this morning for example I was chasing a chicken around the kitchen I was there in my you know half my pajamas or something with half drunk coffee you know twenty minutes before we had to leave trying to chase a chicken out the door but a dog in. And trying to get a teenager out of bed oh and then find goodness. the car keys and make sure that I had my, my, my laptop charged. And then I got in the car halfway down the road and thought, oh, where's my lanyard? And, um, to go back and go and get it. So um, it, it was actually, you know, despite all of that, it was actually quite a, a peaceful, a relatively peaceful day today because that, that it just seems to be the norm that there's just so much going on. And I've always thought that the most stressful time of day is not actually in school or in the evenings. It's the hours between 6 and 8 a.m. And especially when when the girls, when the twins were younger and they'd suddenly announce, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be bringing fancy dress today. Or, oh, where's oh, my school book project? day tomorrow? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I need to make a papier-mâché aeroplane or, you know, oh, that kind gosh. of thing. You know? And you think, oh, crikey. So we just kind of lower expectations, take it as it comes. And as long as everybody is dressed and has had something to eat and is the right way up, then, you know, the day can start. And that goes for yourself as well, I think. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, I really like that low expectations, you know, and I think because we put so much pressure on ourselves, don't we? And I think I've, I've always, certainly, I start every year with these really high expectations of being the perfect mum, the perfect teacher, I'm going to be super organised. Now they're both at school, I've, I've decided that it's all going to be really easy. Mm. But it's like you say, the reality, once school really kicks in, both sides for them and, and for me, those last minute, like you said, things coming through on email last minute and PE days keep changing. So we have to, because I was going in their PE kit now since COVID. And now I've got two. Like I've, I've had one to worry about and that's been challenging enough. I don't know how I'm going to manage both of them now at school. Different ages, different classes, different. And then you've got the, the parental WhatsApp groups as well. Oh, oh God. Yes, I just joined the second one of those. Yeah. And, the, and the level of, you know, gossip and whatever else that goes on there. And the, sometimes the bizarre requests that people post, like, you know, does anybody, you know, know what we're supposed to be doing this week or when there's PE kit and everything. And it makes me actually think, actually, you know, I am a bit more organised than I thought I was because I know the answer to this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, you know, I think I've I've just ended up, I wonder if any of them are going to be listening to this. I don't think they are, but I've just ended putting putting it up on, on mute and I just look at it when I need to look at it. <laughs> because otherwise I just can't be doing with everyone else worrying about PE kits as well as me. I mean, I've got my ass enough to worry about. <laughs> yeah, shouldering everybody else is like, yeah, chaos as well. I find as a teacher, I don't know about you, Jen, but I find the WhatsApp groups as a teacher really quite challenging, quite difficult because you, obviously we're on the other side and I think, oh, goodness me, like, are there WhatsApp groups? Like, I mean, secondary is probably different. I don't know, you'll, you'll know more about that having secondary age children, but it puts you in quite a difficult position. You know, with all the strikes, obviously, before before the holidays as well, I, would, I mean, you know, they are a great bunch. I'm not going to say they're a great, great bunch of, of parents. and But it's just the, the comments start coming in, don't they? And, and you don't want to bite and you don't want to sort of get too involved. But I do find sometimes I don't always know how to respond in the way that's appropriate as being a parent at the school, but also as being, you know, a teacher and being on the other side of it and... I wouldn't like to think that people are talking about me in the way that sometimes people are talking about staff at my children's primary school. Yeah, once or twice I found that I've had to use my teacher voice a little bit on the WhatsApp group and then thought, <laughs> yeah. oh, maybe I just need to back off a little bit. I'm not at work. I'm just going to like yeah. not read anything. If anybody knows, wants to ask me something, they know where to find me. and I'm just busy. But I think it helps that there's a couple of other teachers who are parents in my son's class. And so I think, you know, that it's quite respectful and it's quite sensible. But yeah, there, there were some funny comments about... Um, about lockdown because he was he he started school in 2020 and so there were lots of Gosh. you know sort of strange comments about whether you, you yeah, know same. key workers children and all sorts and I just said I, I haven't got the headspace to deal with this and that's been my 
philosophy ever since is that like you know I'm just not going to get involved yeah I really didn't want to be added to these whatsapp groups you sometimes get added to them I don't know if other people find this you get added to them like against your will <laughs> you're like who's got my number and added me to this whatsapp group and so many times I thought I might leave because I do I need this you know do I need to know all about the politics and what's going on behind the scenes but then also I've realized because I'm so disorganized if I didn't have these lovely people in my life I wouldn't have a clue what was going on so it's like that second point of reference once I've you know had that many emails emails and things and I've had a look while I'm at work and I've tried to register it and I haven't really there's always somebody really super organized on the whatsapp group that sorts my life out so I've decided for that reason I'm staying <laughs> yeah it's Christmas day tomorrow don't forget your jumpers <laughs> like, excellent somebody's picked that up jolly good <laughs> yeah 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 that's 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 uh, an interesting interesting aspect this is so funny because it's such a like modern thing. If I think back to like when our parents, you know, when we were at school and my mum was a teacher as well. And I just think like, this is just not the kind of issues that she would have had at all. My gosh. <laughs> so. Well, you'd have spoken about them face to face, wouldn't you? And I think now there's probably less of that at the school gates. Yeah. I don't know at school. It's very much you, you, you pick up, you go. There's a couple of people I'll have a chat to if, if we're hanging around, but other than that, it, we don't do a lot of face-to-face. Yeah, I find I've got to know some of the parents. So we, I mean, you know, George's nursery slash preschool is attached to a primary school. So I think that kind of culture of WhatsApp groups is sort of filtered through because a lot of the kids have got like siblings in older year groups and stuff. So we do, we do have them all. But I feel like I've kind of got to know parents through the WhatsApp groups. And then like over the summer holidays, we arranged a play date and I got to know a couple of the parents that way. And, you know, so now when I see them at drop off and pick up, we do actually say hi and we kind of chat. And I just think they're probably going to be at school together until they're 11. So it's actually quite handy to, you know, get to know people and stuff. But there are quite a few teachers and ex-teachers. I seem to be more ex-teachers than current teachers. But actually, in when he was in nursery, there was a lad in preschool whose mum was a teacher in the primary school so I think probably any, and, and they didn't go on strike or anything like that as an independent school so they probably didn't feel the need to strike but um yeah so I think people were a bit more restrained and they do have representatives on the um oh gosh what's it like the parent PTA or PTA, something yeah that's yeah I can't remember what they call it but yeah the PTA type thing so I feel like it's probably a little bit more restrained and we're probably like you know <laughs> it is it is more just like oh, when does forest school start again? Or, you know, I messaged the other day saying, does anyone know if the road's going to be open? Because I drove past at the weekend and the road was closed. So, you know, it's kind of handy for that kind of thing. But yeah. I think one of the things as teachers, especially with primary school age kids, is that, you know, they have all these things like, you know, open book afternoon and come and sit and, you know, do some Christmas craft with your kids and stuff. And it's always at like half past 10 or quarter past two or something. And you just know that you're never, ever, ever going to be able to do that because there's never in a million years can you get out of your own teaching to, you know, go and see your kids. So I, I, you know, I feel sad that I've kind of missed out on that. Unfortunately, my mum has been able to do a couple of those things with the youngest and did quite a lot of that stuff with the with the girls when they were when they were younger. And so and even on even sports day in the summer, I mean, I can only I think I've only been able to go a couple of times because that's been a, you know, I haven't taught that afternoon and I've managed to swing it or something like that. And so it is a bit tricky. And, and you know, I've I've never really done drop off or pick up because <laughs> I'm teaching. <laughs> um, and um, and I think you kind of miss out sometimes on that side of things. Um, so, you know, you're a little bit more distant to what's going on. And I don't really know. I know I know lots of the parents, but I don't really know them that well and um you know I, I sometimes wonder whether I've sort of missed, missed out there or whether my son's missed out but um I think at the end of the day lots of lots of teachers are parents and lots of parents are teachers and lots of people can't always make things you know with with funny shift times and so on and you just have to say look you know the PTA needs people but it doesn't need me <laughs> it will cope without <laughs> me it will be fine it's they've always been begging for people it's not going to change now <laughs> um, and you just got to kind of draw the line somewhere and say you know I'm trusted by other parents to teach their kids and get on with it and I have to trust other people to you know get on and teach my kids and you know you know that at home we'll be very supportive of everything and mm. you know we'll always you know turn out for evening events and stuff like that when we can but we just can't do anything during the day I think that's a really good way of putting it as well, actually, Jen. You know, it's that idea that, you know, education starts at home and, and as much as you'd like to be involved in the school side of things. You're not. You've got your own school to worry about. This is it. I mean, I'm lucky that I can I can do a lot of that. I can't do everything. Um, 
And but actually, I found I don't know if other people have had this experience, but my current school have been quite supportive of. Like I went to it. I went to my daughter's nativity. It was her last nativity because for some reason they don't do them past key stage one last year. And I was really worried because I'm part time and I think I don't, I don't want to ask for anything extra because I'm already, you know, I have a bit of the time to do these things. But the nativity for me was just one that I really wanted to go to. We missed the first year. There was none because of COVID. And then I did manage to go to the second one, but this particular one fell on a working day. And it was it was absolutely fine. And somebody said, well, we'll always pass things like that. I don't think that is the case across the board. I think as well with schools, you know, you, you you do a lot yourself, don't you? You know, I do a lot of my own goodwill. I go in a lot on my days off, some, you know, to sort things out. I'm always on my emails every day. Um, I think school know that I don't take the mickey too much with it. So things like that have been, they've been really understanding with that. And I've done what I can if I've managed it. I mean, it's sad, isn't it? You have to say this, but internally covered, you know, myself with my department or... You know, I've rushed there and rushed back. But actually, I have to say that that was one of my worries. And my current school has been really, really supportive with that. But and I wouldn't say that's across the board, but I feel quite lucky with that. Yeah, and I think that's something that people don't necessarily realise when they're not teachers. You know, I remember people saying to me, can't you take a day off, you know, to do X, Y, Z? I mean, even Sorry. like, you know, even to go to funerals. I remember... Um, when my grandma died, she lived up in North Wales and it's like a really long way to go for a day. And it was like on a, her funeral was like on a Thursday. So I just said, look, can I have the Friday off as well? And they said, yeah, it would be unpaid. So I got, I think I got paid for the day of her funeral. But I was like, I'm not driving home from North Wales. <laughs> but yeah, that, you know, but that kind of thing as well. I think people who aren't teachers don't get that. And they're like, but you've just got such long holidays. And but you can't take those holidays during term time, you know? And yeah, and you do probably end up missing out on that kind of stuff. And also like, how many things can you ask? So Claire, you're saying your school's really supportive about the nativity play. But I'm just thinking like last year, George had like teddy bears picnic, had a little sports day. They had Mother's Day assembly. They had a Christmas assembly. And this is only a nursery. I mean, gosh, I don't know what's going to be happening throughout the rest of the year. But my husband isn't a teacher and obviously I'm self-employed, so we can do it. And it's literally just like half an hour first thing in the morning and then we just leave him there or bring him home, whatever. But yeah, it is different. But the flip side is the holidays. So to try and talk about some of the positive things about, you know, life as a as a teacher and a parent, surely the holidays, I mean, they don't necessarily make up for everything, but, you know, it's a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm really glad I don't have to, you know, do this crazy scramble for childcare for like six weeks and have to take all your annual leave at one time and, and all that. I'm, I'm really glad I don't have to do that. It's also quite nice that the older kids can now look after the younger a little bit more as well. And and also, you know, as a family, we can go away and do stuff and go away for a bit longer than, you know, two weeks or, or you know, do lots of different things. That's really lovely, actually. So, you know, I don't do it for the holidays, but it is quite nice when you do get to the holidays. Although having had teenagers who finished GCSEs, obviously, in the mid-June, who were lounging around for three weeks... <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah. You know, we, we, we got to the sort of forcible giving of chore lists every morning before I had to go off to work and so on. So, But, you know, they, they earned their time. They earned their break as well. You know, that's uh, it's fine. But but yeah, holidays are, are nice, you know, and that is there is an adv- that is the advantage. Um, you kind of get to, you know, have your special times together that way rather than perhaps, you know, you don't get the special times during term time to go to sports day or whatever, but you do at least, I suppose, have the have the holidays and that sort of longer period. Although don't get me wrong, about four weeks in, I was like, oh my God, when does term start? <laughs> Can't come soon enough. <laughs> I've got to get on with some, you know, um, some kind of like grades analysis on exam on results day. And there you are <laughs> running around doing my head in about Minecraft. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's it, in relative terms, it's really not as, I know many parents really do find it quite hard to, you know, to cope with and to afford also the, you know, some holiday childcare and everything. So, you know, they have my full empathy. And um, we took in quite a lot of other kids, you know, for play dates during the holidays. You know, all these people that I don't talk to on WhatsApp all seem to know where I am when it's holiday time, of course. I was like, oh, can we just pop my hand <laughs> yeah. the day and leave my child here? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So, so I'm kind of banking some favours there as well. So, you know, you can play it to your advantage, I suppose. This is the first year I've had school-aged children and I've really felt ready to send them back. <laughs> 
I am. Um, you know, as a teacher, you long for those six weeks holidays, don't you? And then when you're a teacher with children who need entertaining every single day, they're not quite as interesting, not quite as exciting, no relaxing. No. I, I was really shocked by the price of, of clubs as well, because, you know, given, I, I was thinking more for next year, given my children's age, I feel like they maybe need to do a bit more. I thought, oh, I'll send them to a sports club for a week or... I couldn't believe how expensive they were. So no way we're doing that. <laughs> no, although as a side hustle, setting up your own sports club. Yeah. You know, DBS trained and all that. <laughs> could probably earn a pretty packet providing, you know, childcare in the holidays. If you can cope with everybody else's children in the holidays as well as term time. You've got to have a break sometime, you know. Yeah, that definitely is not a holiday, is it? No, no, no it's definitely not a holiday. <laughs> But no, I always see on social media people like really excited about the summer holidays. I'm like, tell me you don't have children without telling me you don't have children. (laughs) Yeah, and I realize I kind of use this summer as a bit of a trial run because, yeah, so if George stays at this school, it's two months, two full months of summer holidays. And yeah, we even went away a couple of times, but still it's just, yeah, it's a lot. I did put him in for holiday club for a week, which is three, well, he only does three days a week. And luckily they could use, because it's only, it's term time only, we could actually use some of our funded hours for that. So that was quite nice. But yeah, I do wonder like, okay, I'm just not going to be able to work in July and August when he's at school properly and um, trying to figure out how I'm going to do that. Like the days feel long. They definitely do. They definitely do feel quite long for sure. And they get longer when they're teenagers and then decide that even though they don't get up till lunchtime, they suddenly want to go out at nine o'clock and want picking up at quarter to twelve. Oh, gosh. Yes. Um, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I'm in the middle of it right now. And, of course, we live rurally, and so you, and there's no there's no public transport or anything. So um, my other side hustle is a taxi driver, obviously. Not that it's paid or anything. I'm trying working on it with the kids, you know. Maybe a pound for every journey I make after 9pm. That would kind of, you know, go into my wine fund or the petrol fund <laughs> even, but it's falling on deaf ears, really. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so even at weekends and even in the holidays when I just want to kind of have a glass of wine in the evening or something, I have to kind of hold off on that. Don't worry, it sounds like I'm an alcoholic. I'm not. It's just that, you know, obviously I can't have my glass of wine at tea time if I've then got to, like, set an alarm so that if I do fall asleep on the sofa, I can get up and then go, you know, to some, you know, obscure village that, you know, half an hour's drive away and pick them up from some party and then bring them home again. And because quite simply, there's no other way of them getting home. So... You know, and I want them to have a social life and I want them to have a nice time and everything. So I just have to kind of, you know, grin and bear it and, you know, put some podcasts on in the car. And I've been listening to yours in the car quite a lot, Kate, actually. So, if, so like nice 10 o'clock at night going down random back lanes in the countryside, you go, or dulcet tones shining out. <laughs> It's great. It's good. It's good. Um, that's going to so, send you to sleep, so yeah, isn't that's it? That's the, the, the joyful side. So yeah, I suppose when primary school age kids, it's all about childcare, isn't it? And then teenage kids, it's like, you know, lifts everywhere, every goddamn minute of the day and night. <laughs> and um, just just kind of comes with the territory, I suppose. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm dreading the teenage years. I just, I, It's like one of these things that I just, my brain just shuts down and goes, no, he's going to be cute in three forever. But no, he's not. He's definitely growing up. What are some of the other really good things, though, other than the holidays? Like, you've stayed in teaching through having children and then maternity leave and then going back and then carrying on teaching. So if it was absolutely horrendous, obviously, you'd be thinking, oh, I'm just going to go and do something different. So what are the things that have kept you in teaching while you have a family as well? I think, like Jen said earlier, I couldn't be the sort of person that sat behind a computer the whole time. I like some of that, but I love seeing people. And I've been so lucky that the schools I've worked at, like the departments have been fantastic. And I always remember when I went back from maternity leave after having my second child, I walked in and there was there was nobody there. And I wasn't expecting a huge welcome or anything, but everyone's busy, aren't they? It was the middle of the school year. I think I went back sort of January, February time. There's nobody there and I nearly started crying because I was really overwhelmed by it all. And then, but then by the end of the day, I just remember absolutely belly laughing with my department. Like really just, I can't even remember, I think it was a rude, some kind of rude joke that was just, (laughs) and I just thought, I just love this. I just love seeing people. I love the, I don't know if it's language as teachers as well, but they're a good bunch. We're a good bunch. We have a lot to say. We've got <laughs> lots of experiences, uh, lots of stories, anecdotes, whether they're from life or trips or, and I just love that side of it. I mean, I love teaching. I still really love teaching. I do have to remind myself, mm. I think more at the moment. I don't know if, if Jen feels like this, but I, 
I don't know. It, it's a, it is a tough gig at the moment. But what worries me, I think, being a parent is I worry that I love what I do and I love my subjects, but I'm worried if, if I love what I do, but I still sometimes, not all the time, sometimes I think, is this, is this something I can sustain for, not for much longer, but is this something I see myself doing for the next however many years? And then I think I really genuinely worry that by the time my children get to secondary school, we'll have no specialists. And I think, gosh, if I'm starting to think like this, and I absolutely love it still 16 years in, it is tough at the moment. But um, and I have to say, I think part-time works for me. It helps me with the work-life balance. I don't know how people manage it full-time with a family. There will be ways of doing it and everybody's situation is different. I, at the moment... I'm just really disorganised. I think this is the problem. I think if I was a different person, I was more organised, I could get up like Jen half an hour earlier and (laughs) sort myself out and my own life out, but I'm just not that person at the moment. So for me at the moment, this is how I balance it and I enjoy it. I love my teacher side of me and I love the mum side of me. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point about, well, if we weren't teaching, then who would be? It really worries me. You know, Mm. I know that there are so many of us who've got so much to give and who are so passionate and who are so dedicated and yet we still kind of keep going however hard it is. And, you know, I've been tempted, you know, over the years to sort of sack it off and everything. But, you know, being a teacher was a career change for me in the first place because I started off, I studied law at university and I became a solicitor. And that was great and everything until I got made redundant on maternity leave, um, which was like illegal, <laughs> you know, solicitors doing it. So, you know, they just paid me off. And I had a little break as well a few years ago, about it was sort of about seven or eight years ago, working in an office, in like an office job working for a company that organised school trips and stuff. And even though it was sort of helping language teachers and, and, and sort of about language trips and stuff, so it's kind of like a periphery of being a language teacher. I hated it, absolutely loathed it. You know, this office nine to five, you know, and all these morons who you've got to share an office with and everything. And it was just, I just hated it. It, was, it really wasn't the same. So I think it's the, I think, you know, when you're a teacher and especially as a language teacher, yeah, I think, Claire, you're right. There's, you know, something about language teachers. I think they're just a bit more sparky and a bit more interesting than perhaps your average maths teacher. Don't, you know, please don't get taken away of it or anything like that. But, but I think we've got more tales to tell about the world and about crazy things that kids say and, and you know, crazy escapades from school trips that manage to entertain everybody and in the staff from all the time and everything. And I wouldn't change that for the world. Yeah, and you know, there were there were rough days and there were difficult times and exam season is is fairly hellish for everybody, but I still wouldn't change it because I mean if I if I stopped doing my job, for example, there'd be barely anywhere in the whole of the county that offers A level languages. So I kind Gosh. of feel obliged that, you know, I need to keep going until, yeah. you know, at some point in the future when perhaps there might be some more members of staff who could like, you know, add to my team or create a legacy. But, you know, so if I just suddenly stopped or gave up or heaven forbid, if I was ill as well. So if I suddenly fell ill, that would be two subjects that my sixth form college wouldn't be able to cover at all because there's just literally nobody else around to do it. So I do kind of feel a sense of um, duty, maybe a calling. That sounds a bit mm. evangelical, doesn't it? But I think you know what I mean. And, you know, especially in, a, in subjects like German, where it's so hard to even find anywhere that teaches it, even at secondary level, let alone A level. Yeah. You know, I just kind of feel obliged that that's the reason why I get up in the morning. And that's the reason why I, I go out there and I, and you know, and you just you just kind of crack on. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, certainly as an A-level teacher, I take my kind of motivation from, you know, what the kids reaction on, on results day. And, you know, I kind of let that guide me and I kind of gets me through the crappy days. And to think that you are forming, you know, these young people, especially at A-level age, and they're going off to university to study your subject, which is a really, really big kind of compliment to you, isn't it? And your teaching, even if you've only taught them for the last couple of years of A-level and not like throughout the whole of their secondary time. And that just feels really special. And, you know, I've got kids in my year 12 and in my year 13 class who said, yeah, I want to go to uni and do French or do German or do, you know, whatever thing and go on a year abroad because you've told me all about it and how exciting it is. And I want to do it as well. And I kind of feel obliged to see them through now. So I better not get hit by a bus or anything because we're stuffed. But but I think that's, that, that's what kind of gets me through. Like I said, I don't want to sort of come over all, you know, soppy about it and unrealistic because, yeah, there are very difficult times. And, you know, you do have to fight very hard for your subject sometimes and fight very hard for yourself in the whole school environment. And also, you know, work-life balance and staying sane and juggling family and everything else as well. But I wouldn't change it for the world. I would not go back to an office job in a million years. And that's how I see it. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I just, 
I think when you like say when you've been teaching for so long and you do get like I've had a few recently like people contacted me on LinkedIn because I once took them somebody contacted me recently because I took him on a UK German connection trip so I was actually expecting my first child nobody knew that <laughs> um, and he's like oh, I just absolutely loved it and I found it really inspiring and I'm now doing this or there'll be trainee teachers who I suddenly realise oh I taught you for A-level and now you're <laughs> now you're training you know and it's so rewarding and like you said the, the stories that you have about I think at the time when something really rubbish has happened certainly in sort of with students if it's a behaviour thing or something but you do get to a point and, and if you haven't if you're not at that point yet, or you've not been teaching long enough and, you, and you've struggled to look back at it and laugh about it, you will get to that point, I promise you. And I always say, I'm just going to add it to my list of experience. I'm going to learn from it and move on. And you can look back and think, it was bad at the time, but it's absolutely fine now. We've moved on. <laughs> yeah. And even the really awful kids, you know, you, you have your grotty like bottom set year nines or something like that. You know, you see them several years later, you know, so there was there was one kid who, um, who was absolutely atrociously difficult to deal with in lots of different ways. It was a bit notorious. And, um, you know, he, he I was in Superdrug the other day and he's like, all right, miss, how are you doing? And I thought, blimey, my first thought was, oh, my God, they Gosh. trust you with a till. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I realised, oh, my God, I can't ever come into Superdrug and buy sanitary items again because you might serve me. And then I thought, actually, you know what? You know, you're, you're actually really polite. You approached me and you asked me how I'm doing and you'd never done that in, in however many years before that I taught yeah. And it's kind of nice. It's that kind of teacher status in the community. I mean, we live in a relatively small town as well, so you kind of get to know people and you do you are recognised. And obviously my surname's quite unique and people tend to remember it. And I think that's that's quite nice. It kind of keeps you going. So when you're having a, you know, when you sit there questioning why you're doing it all and you think, you know what, it's actually for these nice little exchanges that might not happen till years down the line. And, you know, you know, but but the payback's often really nice. So yeah, it kind of keeps you going. I think being a mum as well gives you a completely different perspective when you're teaching. You know, when I think about me as a teacher before I was a mum to, to now, you just can't help but have this maternal, you know, these, these maternal feelings towards your students and making sure they're okay. And you know that, you know, you think of your own children and, and their comfort and, you know, clean clothes and, you know, you we're busy, but we do, we know our children are fed, they're warm, we're here for them, we're supportive. And, and you know, don't you as a teacher that not every student gets a child gets the same experience and I just think if you can provide some kind of stability some kind of you know you're always there I had a student a few years ago and I'll never forget this and he always said and he was again he was quite a challenging student but he had a really difficult home life and I remember him coming in one day and saying I like you miss because you're always smiling and I just oh it sounds a bit rubbishy but you know I just thought probably that's he doesn't get a lot of that I don't know but I'm there I'm smiling you know we don't know how the lesson's gonna go but I'm gonna keep smiling and just checking he's okay and yeah, I find that really rewarding. And I think I feel that more now that I'm a parent. It's that in loco parentis, isn't it? That you sort of take on trips. You just, you want to look after them. You you know that there's reasons the way that they are sometimes. And yeah, if you can help with their development somehow, then again, you're doing your job, aren't you? Yeah. The opposite of that though, do you think that being a teacher has influenced you as a parent in any way oh yeah definitely because you know obviously you've got to plan your life to the nth degree as a teacher haven't you with your long-term plans and your medium-term plans and your short-term plans and your backup plans and you have your resources here and this then that and the other and you've got to be totally totally on it and it dawned on me about five years ago that I could apply the same principles to life at home and it was like a revelation and I thought oh my god I can do this um, and so it's <laughs> we, we have quite a, a strict military regime at home in terms of planning things and like the family diary you know and if it's not in the diary it's not happening and, and every time we get like an email from whichever school it is then you know it instantly gets like written down in the diary or put in a special notebook or something like that and and I've kind of kind of worked out that actually you can keep these things going just about and and you know, Sunday afternoon <laughs> is always the day where we get the big whiteboard off the wall and we rub it clean and we put the next week's things on and who's doing what and who's having lifts here and who needs PE kit here and who needs this and that and the other and it's the same kind of way that I might approach planning, you know, the week at school. And, you know, my family laugh and think that I'm being some really kind of pedantic, nitpicky thing. But I tell them that seriously, if you don't let me do this, you won't eat next week <laughs> because we need to know who's where and have we got enough food in the house and who needs a lift here and who's walking the dog that day and all this kind of thing. And it's um and, and it just kind of works. I need to learn from this. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, with three children, I, I feel like, yeah, you've got to do that if you've got three children. I mean, I kind of 
run our household a little bit like that with only one child. So, but partly because my husband works in London sometimes. So that goes on. We've got a Gruffalo calendar on the wall um, with different columns for everybody. And um, yeah, so when my husband's in London, like, you know, like Claire was saying, when your husband's away, it's a very different situation because he gets up and has to get the train before I even wake George up I think so yeah yeah it's a it's a very different kind of thing and I do love a good like meal plan I like to know what we're eating for the week usually so uh, yeah definitely this is not me <laughs> yeah I found that um so I mean as the as the girls have got older and of course they're doing their own thing with you know they've got part-time jobs as well and they want to go out with their mates and all this kind of thing it's got a little bit more chaotic and so we each have a google calendar and each Google Calendar feeds into one Google Calendar, which is mine. Mine is the ultimate one, you know. <laughs> and so everybody can see at any time what's going on at any particular time. So if one of the girls wants to, like, go somewhere, it's got to go through her calendar into the main calendar. And if I've already booked them out for babysitting, then they can't go anywhere. So they've got to be at home, you see. So it's quite handy. That's really good. Yeah. Like being a, a team manager or something in a, in, a, in a company, I suppose, isn't it? And you've got to kind of juggle everybody's time. But it, yeah, it, it does work. I don't do so much meal planning. Fortunately, my husband stays, he works from home and he worked from home anyway, even before COVID happened. So, you know, lockdown happened and he's like, what's all the fuss about? Um, but he loves cooking. And so he cooks, which is nice. He can indulge himself in the cooking. So about half past four every evening, he switches off his computer and goes and makes tea, which is very nice. So I, it was something that I don't have to worry about. And we don't even bother planning it. He's just very spontaneous. And he'll cook something lovely. And by the time I get home, there's tea on the table. Sorted. Oh, sounds like heaven. So that's like one less thing to worry about. And so tied in with this principle of, you know, lowering one's expectations, as long as everybody is like dressed, fed and, you know, had their teeth brushed before going to bed, you know, it doesn't really matter in what order that all happens. Um, And everybody needs to be where they need to be at the time they need to be. It's just about works out. Do you think you are more or less strict about homework because you're a teacher? Or are you strict about homework? Because my mum was a teacher and wasn't, wasn't actually that strict about homework. Mm. Well, this is this is interesting because one of my daughters has just started doing A-level German with me. And I know for a fact that she hasn't done any homework yet. <laughs> However, she has been set a number of pieces and none of these have arrived. So I had to have a little chat with her in the car this morning. Oh, yeah, and that's said, awkward. Do I need to have an awkward conversation with you in front of the others who still don't know that we're related yet about, you know, where your homework's gone? <gasps> really? And she was like, very embarrassed. How do they not know you're related? That's interesting. <laughs> No, no, they don't know. Well, we have different surnames, you see. Ah, so I had I think... that with my mum as well, but people still mm. knew she was my mum. And she taught me German A-level. Yeah, yeah. Well, lots of, like, all, all their friends know, but obviously this in this group, this is like a sixth form college with, like, you know, one and a half thousand students in it. The, the students in our particular German class, you know, have never met each other before. So we've kind of got a little private sweepstake going on how long it's going to take them to twig that we're actually related to each other. <laughs> and I said, look, if you don't get that homework in tomorrow morning, I will reveal all in a very embarrassing way in tomorrow's lesson. <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, That's I'm great. kind of hoping she doesn't give it in so that I get to kind of really embarrass her. But, you know, I might put her off completely. <laughs> but in terms of homework from primary school, you know, or you've got to do 20 minutes reading every day and you've got to put it in the reading log and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you need to you need to get this done and that done. I think, you know, that quite a few times I was sending emails to the year two teacher last year going, I'm really sorry, but we got a bit, you know, overwhelmed this weekend and haven't quite managed to do the homework. <laughs> And, um, and looking at the reading log and realising it's been three months since I wrote in it. And I know that we all read books together every day, but, you know, it's just one more thing to do, isn't it? And I know, though, that the teacher knows that we read every day. And, and I know that, you know, yeah. he knows that I'm too busy to just write it down every single time. So, you know, again, you're lowering your standards as long as everybody's, you know, kind of like dressed and healthy and happy and getting on with things. Can let it slide a little bit. Yeah, we've not really got to that stage yet. I think my little girl's just started with a little bit of homework in addition to reading. But I've, I was useless with that reading log, really useless. But I think like the teachers didn't really write in it a lot either. So I just felt, well, what's the point in me writing it when they're not really writing anything back? So No, I know, right? One time, yeah. And at one time I remember having to correct the teacher's spelling in the reading log. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And there was an apostrophe in the wrong place. And I was like, I'm not letting that slide. <laughs> I'm a language teacher. Yes. Come on, I can't. <laughs> My husband's like, oh God, you're so embarrassing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so I'm like, no, no, you've got, to, got to get it right. But on that note, actually... You know, and you'll have found this as well, Jen, obviously. So my my little girl was in reception when we were doing some of the lockdown teaching. So 
so I found the whole phonics thing and the kind of the EYFS and all the early years stuff really As interesting. Because yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't really hear a lot about that. Yeah, we don't. Re- I didn't really realise how. I mean, I knew that they did things like phonics, but I didn't realise to the extent the literacy that they do and. I was looking in, I mean, it was, I think, a year six SATS book, but they were talking about what is a subordinating conjunction? And I was like, wow. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it's not that long language. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was really, I was sat with some friends, actually. And, and my friends, they both mathematicians, they both went off and did maths and finance and things. And they were like, we would not have a clue about any of this. But then I look in one of the maths books and I was struggling <laughs> with, with reception maths. So, but I do find it really interesting. And I find now, because I feel like I know what they're doing through primary school, I can now relate that. So you remember that time when you did phonics in you know EYFS? That's what we're doing now, but we're doing it in German or, you know, what else do we, I just, I think it's useful. And I think as a secondary teacher, we don't get the opportunity to, to network with our primary colleagues. And we should, and I know we should, but in real terms, you know, you struggle to network with your own department don't you never mind a different school so so I find it really interesting seeing how that education is built up in you know in the the early years and she starts French this year which I'm really excited about oh that is so exciting although the teacher the teacher did say when she's like yes I'm going to be teaching French this year mange too mange too oh god (laughs) I was like oh my goodness Yeah. Oh, I've just uh, remembered something. I know the um, the girls did French at primary school and let's just say the coverage was patchy at best. And I did offer lots of times, oh, would you like me to come in and do an enrichment day? Or shall I share some resources with you? Or oh, why don't we just sell some e-twinning? You know, that kind of thing. But whew, deaf ears. It didn't happen. And um, I mean, they had one French book from the whole of year three all the way through to the end of year six. And they'd only actually used four pages in it over those years. So I was a bit... Whew, and there was loads of stuff in it that was marked correct which was clearly not so like they were they had to and they had to copy stuff off the board it was just copying I think you know I know that there's a lot of pressure on primary teachers and I'm absolutely not bashing them at all and it's the first subject at primary school that gets it's always on a Friday afternoon last lesson so it's the first thing that goes whenever it's sports day or you know Christmas play or anything like that because it's it's, it's an easy one to drop isn't it and I remember quite clearly um, having a look at their book on parents evening or something and nearly kind of like coughing and choking because I saw Je suis chante equals I am singing <laughs> and I was just like oh my gosh oh my. Um, and I thought oh, this is in front of the teacher who'd written it and I'm like and she knows I'm a French teacher and she's like yeah look at our French that we're doing and I, I'm like I really can't tell you that this is so completely oh. wrong <laughs> and, um, and uh, it was very hard to bite my tongue and uh, I did but, you know those people who know me know that you know I don't usually bite my tongue but I really had to very hard that time so sometimes you know it, it's very tricky to be a little bit um not judgmental that's not the right word about you know the French teaching in primary school or something that your kids receive because you want to say oh well what about this and why don't you do this and why don't you do that but you've just got to stand back you just got to let it happen and you just got to you know some schools have fabulous provision some schools are doing the absolute best that they can and you just have to say you know what I just have to trust them and let them get on with it and you know when they come to secondary school then they'll start all over again anyway so uh, you know anything at secondary school can be ironed out later but yeah it, it can be a little bit hard sort of subject wise although on the other hand we have got quite a nice little link with that same primary school actually now like we had a hosted teacher from the UK German Connection last year who came to see us for like three weeks and she went out to the primary schools and did some German days and we've done some French days and we're sort of doing little bits and pieces here and there so it's really really lovely but you've also got to accept that you can't change everything and you can't do everything and um currently the youngest of course having just started french this week as well who says his new favorite word is wee wee so you know (laughs) i think whatever i do or whatever the teacher does you know if if that's if that's how to get little seven-year-old boys interested in french by going wee wee then so be it yeah so be it you know sounds like they've done a good job Exactly, exactly. Just have to kind of keep that interest going, <laughs> get them into it. I started my first lessons this week with all the, you know, in German, all the, you know, with your Jenakt Schnecker and all these words. I, start, that's how I started with my lessons like that and the kids were loving it. <laughs> yeah, and mine goes farter, is dick and all that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to put an explicit thing on this. No, no not really. Yeah, Google's going to flag it up with all sorts of problems, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Spotify I think it is such a shame you know what you're saying about because there are there's some amazing provision in primary schools for sure and I think the people who are doing the amazing work in primary schools I think probably get a little bit frustrated as well I don't know I've actually done an episode about teaching languages in primary schools for this season so you have to have a listen to that one if you haven't already heard it so um 
And I think it's really a time where you have to have your parent hat on and you have to have a teacher hat on and you have them at different times. And when you are a teacher in your workplace and you are a parent in someone else's workplace, and if, you know, if you imagine that, you know, you had a parent coming into your workplace telling you how to do your job, you wouldn't be totally impressed with that. You know, they think they know better than you and all that. And and, and I think you just have to, you just got to sort of separate that out, haven't you? And um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's pro- probably, I think that's probably a good place to end actually, because that is probably one of the trickiest things and where it all kind of comes to a head, isn't it? It's just like, you have to remember that in one situation, you're a teacher and in the other situation, you're a parent and actually probably try not to confuse the two, <laughs> try and, you know, keep the two separate, which I'm sure is a challenge, but... Um, but it, it helps, I think. It helps to, like you said, you know, you know those parents that are going to be difficult and I don't want to be that parent, even if I do feel like I have a slight advantage on some things. I don't begin to understand how things work at primary school, but... I just think I do not want to be that parent. I'm just going to, unless it's something really that concerns me, we'll leave them to it. (laughs) Or concerns my my children, because usually it concerns me more than it concerns them. So I've decided if they're not concerned, I'm not concerned. Okay, so if anyone who is watching us, anyone in the in the audience, if you want to make any comments or anything like that, we do have a comment from earlier from Claire, another Claire, different Claire, uh, who said she had to choose a nursery near her school as opposed to where I live, she says, when my girls were younger because the nursery didn't open until about 8am. So that's what we were talking about like way back, uh, talking about drop-off and things like that and actually how that can be quite tricky. And then I guess, yeah, if the nursery doesn't even open until 8 o'clock, primary schools don't open at 8 o'clock even then do they so it's always been one thing that I've wondered you know if I'd had a child when I was still teaching how that would work and also the fact that where George goes to school is like the opposite direction to where I was working I, I mean I probably he wouldn't be at the school that he's at now I guess but yeah how that would actually work you just have to go and teach in the same school that your kids are in. <laughs> that's the only option right <laughs> that's probably not fair on the kids but yeah I think um I think my kids have pretty much bankrolled the whole of like after school clubs and all the you know wraparound care over the years I think my kids often you know the youngest is often the uh, the last one to be picked up along with the other teachers kids who roll in at about two minutes to six and you know rescue their own childs and children and then take them home again but um yeah it's just how it is isn't it it is a logistical nightmare being a teacher. It really is. And this is whenever I sort of contemplate increasing my hours, the the reality of trying to work out how I'm going to get everybody. And it's not just that. It's when all the after-school clubs start and everything. You know, we've got the karate, the football, the swimming, and that's just one. No, the one's not really started with all of that yet. And I just keep thinking, if my husband's away, how, how am I going to... Because I don't tend to... I like to work at school after school. I'm not always super early in the morning, but I like to stay a bit later and try and... Trying, and I, I just think I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get back. You know, I'm meeting. It's, I just, I don't know. As I say, that that's why I have chosen at the moment to be part time. But I don't know how do you do that full time. I don't know. I'd love to know. I've had to be really, really strict with myself. So James, he's recently been diagnosed with autism and ADHD as well. And so I know that when I'm at home, I literally, I can't do any schoolwork. So, you know, everything has to stay at home. School, yeah, school's at school mom. and the home's at home because I just need to be there um, yeah. you know, because in case he has a meltdown or, you know, you know, all this kind of thing. And that's, that's actually made me more strict with myself to say and actually use my time better at school to say, I know that I've, I've got this lesson to sort out. I've only got 20 minutes to sort it out and that because I need it for tomorrow and I've got to get it done so there's less faff and there's less kind of like ooh and ahhing about fonts and all this kind of stuff it's like you have to again lower your expectations and you say you know what is it good enough is it a good enough lesson is it a good enough resource is it a good enough plan you know yes fine move on to the next thing instead of spending hours and hours you know kind of thinking oh I'll make this the greatest it can ever be and all that and I really just have to use my time really wisely at school so I often get in quite early and I will work through my breaks and I will work through my lunch and I will you know work as much as I can in my free lessons because I know that I just have to at the end of the school day I just have to put my laptop in my bag and come home and be mum at home and then if I'm lucky once he's gone to bed in the evenings I might get a couple of hours but then I might have crashed out on the sofa by then anyway so I can't assume that I've got that time and so that's why waking up in the morning is easier. I find that yeah. really hard doing yeah, that. So that switching your brain because our job is so intense like today like my brain when I come home I've got all these things I want to do and I'm so in teacher mode and I find that come down because then you know if if I'm off the following day and I'm back in mum mode I find 
I, say, I was saying this to my husband the other day, going from one to then the other, which is quite contrasting. You know, I'm sort of on some days I'm a stay at home mom, and on some days I'm a sort of, you know, middle leader responsible for people and children. And, and I find that I just can't always come down from it. And I can't always just switch off my teacher persona when I come in. I almost can't. And I imagine you don't, yeah, if any full time you have to do this, I guess I'm just still in teacher mode for that, almost for that whole day. And then the following morning I can wake up and be the mum mode. But that's really hard. Yeah, it is, it is hard. You've got to be quite strict with yourself. And, you know, sometimes when I drive home and I get home and I park up in the driveway and I would literally just sit in the car for about three minutes, just kind of trying to get, you know, out of the final bits of school mode into like mum mode. And yeah, I feel a bit weird doing that sometimes, but it's just, you, you just, you just, I think you just got to do it. It's like, you've got to sort of completely, you know, flip it. And, yeah. and I think that, um, you know, I'm very fortunate in that, you know, my partner is very supportive and, and everything, but, you know, I've been a single parent, you know, for a few years when the, when the girls are very small. And I know that it, you know, if you, if you are the only adult in the house and you're kind of juggling working and you're juggling kids and you're juggling finances and everything else as well, it's bloody difficult, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not easy and, you know, one doesn't always get the help or support that one might need or you might be you know miles away from other family members who can help out and and yeah it is it's, it is difficult but you've, you've got to sort of I think I think you've got to do what works for you and not not worry about what everyone else is doing and say look if, if it works for me and it works for my kids and we can get out of bed in the morning and we can have our breakfast we can get to school and you can go to school and I can do my job and then we can come home again and then we go to bed it doesn't matter that's what other people don't do or, or, or people do things in a different order or, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. You just say, fine, whatever. You know, this works for me. That works for you. It's none of your business, actually. <laughs> and I think having the confidence to just sort of say that to yourself and to sort of instill that in your routine as both a parent and a teacher, knowing where your boundaries are, knowing where to say no, because it's very difficult, I think, as a teacher to say no when, you know, you kind of often feel obliged to go above and beyond, don't you? But, you know, learning how to say no nicely, of course, and knowing what works for you and your family, I think is the most important thing. And, you know, it's taken me a few years to get there. And I, well, I don't think I'm there yet, but, you know, I'm on the way there. But that that helps because it helps your, helps your sanity. It helps keep you on the straight and narrow, as it were. I think that's such good advice for teaching as well, though, that you're not doing what everybody else is doing. And like you're saying, if you know you can't work in the evenings then and you're working at home, then just don't, don't do take it. the work home. And to have the confidence to be saying like, I know myself, I know my family, I know my life. I can't work in the evening, so I, I can only do it at home, uh, at school and not at home, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was when I did my PGCE, the girls were very, very small and I was a single parent and I'd got to the point where I couldn't get any work done in the evenings. And I remember having a conversation with my mentor who didn't have any kids and it was a he as well, but he really didn't have a clue. <laughs> and um, and he was saying, so when, when do you do your work then? And I said, well, actually, I get up at about three o'clock in the morning and I've got like, <gasps> oh you know, from gosh. three till six, I've got three hours completely undisturbed. Gosh. I know that the phone's not going to ring. I know that the kids are going to be asleep. I know that if, so I so I would go to bed at like seven or eight o'clock in the evening when the kids would go to bed I would get like six or seven hours sleep but I would just get up at three o'clock in the morning and get all my work done for the beginning of the day I'd still be just as ready at the beginning of the day and I wouldn't be late for school or anything like that and you know at the end of the day as long as I'm doing what I need to do and I'm doing my job plus I'm keeping my family alive you know, it doesn't really matter what time it happens because it's what works for you. And he couldn't understand. He'd be like, that's outrageous. You need to be working from, from seven in the evening to 10 at night. Why can't you do that? And I'm like, mate, you haven't got toddler twins, have you, on your own? <laughs> it does sound crazy to say, yeah, I get up at three o'clock in the morning. But, you know, you don't, you but know, you're not going to get interrupted. That's often what you need as well. If you do have to get work yeah. done at home, then, you know, you just need to just get your head down and do it. I would say to the students with homework, you know, I've always been a lastminute.com person. I still am. You know, I was the person that would get up in the morning and do my homework on that morning or on the bus because I forget. Otherwise, I would. And I'd be the same with me and a parent. If I and a teacher, if I planned like the week before or if I responded to something the week before with my kids, I would completely forget because I'm not organized to write a diary or anything like that. But I always say to them, but that works for me. And and I do. I've never missed a, a within reason, you know, a deadline. And, you know, I've attended all my lectures and I've done all of this. If that's not working for you, then you've got to change something. And I think that's the key, isn't it? Everybody's situation is completely different. And you find it might not be the right way. You have to tweak things. If it's not working for you, you've got to try something else, I think. 
That's right. And I think as a teacher, you're more attuned to that because of the different learning needs of, of students as well. And I know, I mean, certainly I think that came to the fore in, in lockdown as well, where you did get kids doing their work in the middle of the night because maybe they were babysitting for their younger siblings during the day while their parents were at work. And, you know, and I think you just as a teacher, you're kind of more attuned to the kind of lifestyles that people have to deal with and the pressures on them. So it's not just about yourself and your own family, but it's about other kids and other families. And, and you just know, that you know one size does not fit all and you know it's part of your job to kind of help them find the right way for them I could talk to you two for hours and hours and hours but I'm aware of the time (laughs) and aware of the fact that the lovely people in the audience are new to as well I think uh let you get on with the rest of your evening but thank you so 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 much it's just been such an interesting conversation I'm already excited to like listen to the podcast episode again when it comes out and to get it all and I really I (laughs) I'm not. I say I sound like a 12-year-old. I think there's, but there's so much. <laughs> I sound like an 14-year-old woman. <laughs> I don't have a voice for radio. <laughs> wow. I think you sound fantastic. And there's so much like great advice and wisdom and yeah you guys seem to just be kind of balancing amazingly well so thank you thank you thank you so much and yeah hopefully we'll get to chat again soon well thank you so much for having us on here it's actually been really nice to 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 chat with you all and swap ideas and just hope that somebody out there finds it useful and can take heart that actually it's quite okay to be a little bit unorganized as long as (laughs) as long as you keep going and maybe there'll be someone else listening picking their kids up from some random party at midnight uh let me know let me know if you're listening to this podcast episode as you're like going to fetch your kids from some kind of i don't know rave in the forest or is that just what i used to do as a teenager uh no probably these kind of things don't happen anymore but um yeah i grew up in the middle of nowhere and yeah that's all that was going on really um but i don't think parents picked us up from those kinds of things. I probably need to stop talking now before I just like reveal my misspent youth. But yeah, if anybody's listening to this, picking their kids up from a party at midnight, then let me know. So um Yeah, maybe we could we could establish a, a niche little kind of like network of parents who listen to you know parenting and teaching podcasts in the middle of the night in the middle of the night yeah yeah take their kids on their their social lines or something (laughs) okay fab well yeah so thanks again and uh yeah like i say hopefully we'll chat soon so uh bye thank you bye i hope you enjoyed this episode of the kate languages podcast if you did please think about leaving me a five-star review And you can also tag me on social media to let me know you've been listening and let me know your thoughts on the episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe so the next episode of the Kate Languages podcast can be delivered straight to your device as soon as it's released. But until then, auf Wiedersehen, au revoir, adios, bye.